Welcome back to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. Today's episode is a special New Year's edition. And in the spirit of the new year, I'm going to focus on my personal planning guidebook, which is available as a free download at my website, andrewtempty.com. So if you want to head on over to the website, download the guidebook and follow along, that's great. Otherwise, just sit back and enjoy. Oh, by the way, Happy New Year. Most of my work centers around helping leaders and managers strike the right balance between trust and accountability by minimizing organizational friction. In my new book, The Balanced Business, which is available anywhere books are sold, I explain that the first step toward reducing friction is to begin by defining the purpose of the organization. Clearly defining and communicating purpose for the organization allows both current and prospective employees to determine if their own personal purpose aligns with that of the company or institution that they work for. This alignment of purpose is an essential undertaking for any individual to ensure that they're engaged in meaningful work and are able to bring more of their whole selves to their chosen profession. In a business setting, we create long-range plans, business plans, annual budgets, job descriptions, incentive plans, contingency plans, and disaster recovery plans. Heck, some of us have plans for how to develop plans. But the story is typically very different on a personal level. When's the last time you sat down and created your own personal roadmap? Do you know what your personal purpose is? Have you determined what success means and how you'll measure it to know if you strayed from your intended path? Yes, many of us set New Year's resolutions, but those are more often than not haphazardly constructed goals that die when business as usual crushes our dreamy-eyed aspirations of more money or a thinner body during the throes of a fuzzy, hazy New Year's Eve party. So let's start with my personal purpose as an example. During my career, I've broadened the boundaries of geography and culture through travel, education, and a desire to understand different perspectives. Broadening one's boundaries of influence takes time, and at each step on the journey, one must be willing to take on board new information and, most importantly, challenge existing beliefs. From my experience, we get ourselves into trouble when our perspectives are fixed and unyielding. Almost without exception, I have made suboptimal decisions and have taken steps backward during those periods when I shunned agile thinking and a growth mindset. Now, my personal purpose is the tagline to my first book, Balancing Act. It is to teach, coach, mentor, and hopefully inspire others. I strive to act with a steward's mindset. I hope that after I'm gone, my words and my actions will have influenced others to embrace stewardship, work within the boundaries of what they can, can control, to create more virtuous cycles, and to continually push 
their personal and professional boundaries through continuous improvement and lifelong learning. The process of getting to know yourself is difficult, but it is deeply satisfying. Self-reflection and personal planning exercises are two important tools to understand and employ on the journey toward greater self-awareness and enlightenment. In my personal planning guidebook, we're going to use the concept of the personal A3 to help guide the journey. Spending time getting to know yourself is one of the most important things that you can do to ensure that you're optimally positioned to do well for yourself, your family, your employer, and your community. I relate my personal purpose to teach, coach, mentor, and hopefully inspire in hopes that you'll make the time to engage in the reflection that's necessary to determine your purpose and complete the exercise, the exercises that we'll talk in about in just a moment. Now, it's critically important to note that your purpose, which is the foundation for everything you do, it does not need to be grandiose. It should be authentic to who you are. It should be enough to allow for growth throughout your lifetime. But it should also be sufficiently specific to show and let the real you shine through. Now, Let's talk about the personal A3. In the parlance of continuous improvement, the A3 is a problem-solving and discovery tool. The term A3 refers to a specific standard international paper size that's slightly fatter and shorter than what we in North America refer to as tabloid paper. Right now you're thinking, of course we've got different sizes of paper than the rest of the world. For purposes of this exercise, you're essentially working with a piece of paper that's 11 inches wide and 17 inches tall, and you can turn it on its side or leave it in portrait mode, whatever you want to do. Another question that you might be asking in a little whisper is, why on earth is he talking about paper sizes? The answer is straightforward. The planning process is meant to be tactile and not digital. Creating an A3 is an experience that relies on the hand-to-brain communication to spark the creative juices that don't flow as easily in more passive educational settings like reading, listening to a podcast, or watching a video. If you have access to a printer that will print in 11 by 17 format, then download the A3 from the website and print it on 11 by 17 paper. If you don't, that's fine too. Just start with a blank sheet of 11 by 17 paper, draw out the boxes uh, in your own hand, and let's get going. In addition, Building an A3 is an iterative process. The first go-round is likely to be a mess, but the mess is an important part of the activity. Having several blank templates printed out and at your disposal is really a prerequisite for a good finished product. 
Now let's talk about the instructions for completing your personal A3. So you've downloaded the A3 template or you've drawn it out on uh, your own piece of paper. What's step one? Step one is to set aside an hour of completely uninterrupted time. Be sure that this time aligns with the time of day when you do your best thinking. Walking into the exercise exhausted or stressed will not yield positive results at all. You'll have far too many blockers and challenges and things that can go wrong. <laughs> also, do your best to avoid too much mental preconditioning other than ensuring that your mind is free open and unencumbered by an unduly fixed mindset. You want unvarnished responses that are your own and free from the pressure of external sources. This is your chance to learn more about yourself. Hey, if your partner wants to join in, make a copy for them to do it on their own, and then come together and share your responses if you want. But this is a chance for each of you to invest in yourselves. Remember, you're trying to build self-awareness through self-reflection, not uh, look to your partner for validation in this exercise. Step number two for completing your personal A3 is to get cracking and fill out the boxes in your own hand. These are your words, your responses, your desires, and your blockers and challenges. The personal A3 is not a group exercise, and it cannot be delegated. Use a maximum of one hour for the first version. Don't worry, there will be time for refinement later. Getting your gut reaction is important. So, you've got the A3 template in front of you. Uh, you can see that it's got 12 boxes, and now we're going to walk through each of those boxes and what they mean. Box number one is your purpose. Everything starts with purpose. Why am I here? What do I stand for? What brings me joy? Your purpose statement is short and punchy. Remember, mine is to teach, coach, mentor, and hopefully inspire. What's yours? The second box is your current state. This is the depiction of the present and your day-to-day -day life as it exists today. Do your best in this box to use pictures and symbols to describe your current state. I'm a terrible artist, but I find value in drawing crude images of my current state to aid in the creative process. The next box is your desired future state. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? Same thing. Draw pictures of where you want to be. You can also use words, but again, I find pictures to be much more impactful. The fourth box is your vision statement. These are the words that describe your desired future state in terms of length. It's longer than your purpose statement, but it's still punchy and direct. So, 
remember, the, the desired future state box, that's the pictures describing your desired future state. Your vision statement are the words that describe that desired future state. The next box on the A3, this is a box to list your coaches and your mentors. Here, you write down who is going to help you. Some folks haven't given much thought to who their mentors are and what the difference is between a coach and a mentor. If you get nothing more from this exercise than to identify your mentors, that is a win in my opinion. As a side note, the process of finding and securing a mentor is nuanced and specific to the individual. So providing specific guidance here on how to identify yours is tricky at best. In contrast, coaches are all around us and are much easier to find and engage with as there are many, many businesses that provide coaching services for a fee. In Chapter 6 of my first book, balancing act, there is an in-depth discussion on the differences between mentors and coaches that you might find useful. The next box in the process is your asset inventory. These are the skills, education, and physical assets, both monetary and non-monetary. It's your abilities and your attitudes that you bring to the table in the current state. So your asset inventory is what do I have available to make my future come true today? Next box is your environmental challenges. These are the external challenges that influence your current state that are out of your immediate control. As we all learned in Economics 101 or back in high school, everything is variable in the long run. But these environmental challenges are the short-run environmental factors that constrain you. It might be where you live uh, might, might be an example of an environmental challenge. The next box, this is, these are your personal blockers. This is an extension of the environmental challenges, but these items are specific to you and stand in the way of progression beyond the, the current state. And as I said before, some of these blockers might be very personal and might be locked away just in your brain. These might be ways that you're looking at the world uh, that, are, uh, that can be changed but are preventing you from moving forward. The next box are your skill and tool set gaps. So this is a gap analysis box. And this is a critical step in the process and represents the difference between the skills and tools that you'll need to make progress toward the desired future state and your current asset inventory. So you've got a current asset inventory of your education and the tools that you have today. But the gap is between what you have today and what you'll need uh, to acquire, to achieve the desired future state. Might be more education, might be more investment dollars. Uh, lots of things could be at play here. The next box are your goals. 
what are the things that need to be accomplished over the next year or whatever your planning period is to make meaningful progress toward the desired future state? Make sure your goals are SMART, S-M-A-R-T. That stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, and Time-Bound. Don't overwhelm yourself with too many goals. If this box is crammed with things to do, then your A3 will likely end up in the same cemetery as our New Year's resolutions. Second to last box is the roadmap. And as the name suggests, this is literally a picture of a roadmap that illustrates the significant milestones on the journey from current state toward the desired future state. Put symbolic curves in your roadmap in recognition of the fact that life is filled with curves, roadblocks, and loopbacks. There are so many loopbacks. Life is not a straight line. And if you're just uh, leaving college and somebody's told you that it's step one leads to step two, leads to step three, leads to step four, sorry, <laughs> that is not going to happen. Uh, so many loopbacks in life. The final box in the A3 this is your metrics for success. How will you know you've made progress? How will you measure goal attainment? Again, similar to goals, too many metrics and they won't be tracked. So keep things simple here, but definitely have some metrics to track your success. So, so far, We've done step one, which is set aside an hour. Step two, which is to get cracking and fill out the boxes. We've described each of the boxes. Now it's step three. Let it sit, preferably overnight. Then set another hour of uninterrupted and unencumbered time for review. After your initial draft is had a chance to age for a bit, pick it back up and review your responses. Print out another blank template and walk through each of the boxes again. Make sure that you nailed it the first time, or maybe a night or two of reflection has sparked new ideas and opportunities for refinement. It's important to write out your responses again. Draw the pictures again. Repeat this step if you feel it's necessary, but don't overthink things at this stage of the process. The most important thing is to be honest with yourself and ask as many whys as it takes to get to the root cause of the things like your challenges and your blockers. Step number four in the process is to talk to a mentor. Before you dive in and start taking action, which is typically what most of us do, we set some goals and then we're off and running, I want you to take a step back. Set a meaningful block of time with one or more of your mentors. Send them a picture of what you've completed in your A3 and then have a conversation about it. Make sure that your mentor will give it to you straight, but will do so in a psychologically safe environment. If you don't think the person you've chosen as a mentor can strike the appropriate balance between constructive feedback and creating a psychologically safe space for you to explore your A3, 
and I hate to break it to you, but they're not a mentor. Psychological safety is essential. Step number five, collect opinions from your inner circle. Choose individuals to confide in who are likely to offer constructive feedback and be able to do so by offering different perspectives so you can look at your A3 from different angles and really pressure test things. If most of your friends are essentially mirror images of you, then limit the weight you place on their responses. Getting caught in an echo chamber of support will not provide the diversity of thought and opinion that's essential for this process to work effectively. Also, avoid abusive, controlling, or unconstructively judgmental people in your circles. They are unlikely to listen with a seek-to-understand mindset and will instead consciously or subconsciously be seeking to tear down your aspirations and goals. And ask yourself, should these passive-aggressive, judgy people be in my circle? <laughs> if the answer is no, then do something about it. Step number six, move to implementation. Here, don't bite off more than you can chew. The A3 process likely sparked some areas of change that are not inconsequential. Make sure you're willing to engage in change and spend some time investing in creating a greater personal understanding of your own change curve. Then, as Yoda says, do or do not. There is no try. Compromises will undoubtedly be made on what can realistically be achieved. But at a bare minimum, stay true to your purpose. The final step is to monitor and adjust. As mentioned previously, change is messy. Your relationship with change is messy. The roadmap you drew in your A3 is purposefully curvy in recognition of the fact that not much happens in a straight line in real life. As Mike Tyson famously quipped, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> Revisit your A3 and your progress against goals, relying on the metrics for success that you've chosen. And do this uh, at least once a year, preferably every six months. But don't check in every week because that'll drive you bananas. Now, the next thing to remember about this personal A3 that you've constructed, you've gone through all seven steps that we've described, is that this is a living document. It doesn't get filed away never to be seen again. Instead, as we described, it's periodically revisited and adjusted as circumstances shift, goals are achieved, and failures are learned from. As we've noted, one of the components of the personal planning A3 is the asset inventory, which is a list of your personal, physical, and mental gifts, along with the real assets that you own that will help with the achievement of your goals. In practice, this asset inventory should be derived from another living personal planning document. Wait for it. This is your family balance sheet. 
Like any business, your family, even if you're a family of one, should be routinely updated its balance sheet, which is nothing more than the listing of your assets and your liabilities. The sum of all of your assets minus your liabilities equals your family's net worth. And this is a number that should be tracked immediately once we reach adulthood. Now, we're not going to get into the details of the construction of a family balance sheet. That's a well-worn road with myriad examples available on the internet for free from accountants, financial planners, and other organizations that promote financial health and financial literacy. If you haven't created a family balance sheet, please get going. It's literally never too early to start, and it's a wonderful tool to improve financial awareness and financial literacy. Now, if I die in a catastrophic car accident or on the table of a routine hip surgery, I'm not the one who's going to suffer from a lack of personal planning or organization. I'll be having low of the rock stars that have gone before me from Rush, Tom Petty, Eddie Money, etc., etc. <laughs> it's the people I love, the ones I left behind, who are scratching their heads and cursing my name because they can't find the keys to the, safe, to the safe or make heads or tails of the family's financial situation. So, in addition to building the financial discipline to create and routinely update your family balance sheet, maintain another set of documents that answer the following questions. One, who's the family attorney? Is there a will? If not, what are you waiting for? Two, is there an estate plan in place? If so, who's the executor? Where are the documents? Three, do you have a healthcare directive? Has it been filed with healthcare providers? Again, if not, what are you waiting for? Four, do you have a list of all online accounts and places that you routinely do business? Five, where are all the passwords to everything from social media accounts to bank accounts? Is there a holistic password strategy in your family? Next, does your family know what you want for funeral arrangements and that big celebration of life you've dreamt about? Dreams don't turn into reality unless they're written down. Did you earmark any funds to pay for that big party? <laughs> and finally, what's to be done with your possession? Who gets what? If you want your cousin Jimmy to have your old Pokemon cards, the only way he gets them is if it's written down. Now, this next one is really hard, but I recommend writing short but meaningful letters to your loved ones that they can read after you're gone. I've personally used long-haul international flights to do this work. Flight attendants walking by with bemused and concerned looks as tears streamed down my face as I imagine speaking my final words to my wife and sons. It's heavy, but incredibly rewarding work. The point of all this is to say that once a human reaches the age of majority, some level of planning for our eventual exit from this world should take place. Yes, that planning is very simple at first, but 
getting into the habit of documenting your wishes, where all your stuff is, and what to do with it is incredibly important. Basic end-of-life and estate planning is not solely the province of retirees and the elderly. Now, in conclusion, I am by no means perfect when it comes to documenting our family's personal finances and my personal wishes were something terrible happened to me. My dear wife Linda always thinks I've left something out, but on that count, she's right. Because we all have junk drawers and black holes of potential gotchas that we haven't attended to for years. However, I take great comfort in knowing that I've got things as clear as possible every time we go on vacation or I face a life event like a hip replacement or a major surgery. And yes, I've had both of my hips replaced. I wish you great success in your life, and I hope that the construction of your personal planning A3 and making the commitment to more formal personal planning serves you well. Have a great day.